0: Well, if this is your first time being here, then I just want to welcome you. If you're coming back and you're part of counterculture, you've been hearing that, just remind you of where we've been. We've just talked through a few different things, and we're looking at this famous message that Jesus spoke, and it's called the Sermon on the Mountain, where he got started. And he started with these countercultural teachings, and, and he started saying things. It was like, hey, if you want to live a blessed life, here's the way that you're going to get it. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it's kind of like, well, what do you mean it's, it's a blessing to be poor in spirit? He says, blessed are those who mourn. For they're going to be comforted. It says, blessed are, are those who, are, who are, are, are meek. And so when we look at that, what do we see? We see they're going to inherit the earth. And last week we looked at blessed are those who, who hunger and thirst. It's kind of like, what do you mean you can be blessed for being hungry and thirsty? And he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because you're going to be filled. You're going to be satisfied. And so today we're going to look at blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. Listen, I've actually spent some time just, just praying for our church, praying for you this last week and praying very specifically about this idea of mercy, praying that, that we would be a church, that, that we would understand what mercy is and that we would be mercy givers, that we would be giving that out, that that would be part of who we are, would be core to us as people. And so Jesus, he does, he comes along and says, hey, you want to live this this blessed life. You want to live a life where it's this happiness that can't be taken from you, that this happiness that the world can't compete with, that these are these countercultural things. And so what Jesus said here on this one in Matthew chapter five, verse seven, he says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. That I don't know if if you're like me, but there's been times in my life when it's like, I wish I would have been shown a little bit more mercy Mercy. Anybody else out there going, hey, I wish I could have received, been been a little bit more on the receiving end, some mercy because of these choices that I made and what I did and just that I I needed that. But I think we live in a merciless society. These are merciless times. It's just so hard for us to to see mercy just being given out and given out freely. And and when I think about mercy, that's something that, that we need to make sure that we understand what mercy is. And mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. It's this idea of, it's, it's this withholding of wrath, okay? You, you've deserved that, and, 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 and you deserve to, to hear my voice raised. You deserve to hear me unload on you. You, you deserve this punishment. You deserve to be fired. The, the, this, this idea of mercy is, is where you deserve, and it's a, you're not giving somebody what they deserve because you're choosing to withhold. And without mercy, that without mercy, the, the people, they're, they're condemned. They're, they're, they're canceled. They're, they're harassed. And, and when that takes place, it seems like we live at a time that, that when somebody is doing the condemning, when somebody's doing the canceling, when somebody's doing the harassing, that they actually take pride in doing it. And what Jesus is telling us is he says, you're gonna be blessed. You're gonna live your blessed life when you are merciful. And when all of us are gonna be in a position where we're gonna need some mercy. And so it's the people that are merciful, the ones that are showing mercy, those are the ones that you're gonna have mercy being shown back to you. This cancer, cancel culture that we live in. It's a culture that is it's without mercy and it's without grace. And, and mercy and grace are, are different. A lot of people, a lot of times people want to put them together and say it's the same thing, but, but, but they're different. They're, they're both great things. And so mercy is this idea that it's not giving somebody what they deserve. So, what is grace? Grace is giving someone what they don't deserve. Well, you didn't earn that. You don't deserve that, but I'm just going to give it to you, anyways. That's grace. And. <clears throat> And our Heavenly Father has extended both mercy, withholding wrath, and He's extended grace. Let me give you what you don't deserve. That, that He's doing this to both of us. You know, I, <clears throat> when I think about <clears throat> mercy, I think there are some parents that they do a, a really great job of modeling mercy. And, and this is what I mean by that. <clears throat> that when your kid misbehaves, that you catch them, you want to correct them, and so you discipline them, and it leads to more of a punishment, and you throw the book at them, and you do, you extend all this time, and you take away every and anything that you can, and, and, and you just throw that at them, and now they're like going, okay, I'm never going to get to see a screen again, you know, and, and I'm never going to get a drive again, I'm never going to get to hang out with them again, and it's just like we, we throw that at them, and then with a little bit of time, it's like, well, I'm going to let you out on some good behavior, you know. And so then we come along and we say, hey, I'm not going to count that. And you don't have to do that anymore. I'm going to withhold that punishment that I was giving you. And, and now, you're, now you're set free. And <clears throat> I, I'd, I'd seen this as a youth pastor. This happened a lot. And so I decided that when it came to parenting that, that I was going to do it a little bit differently. Because I, I know that when kids are, are being punished or disciplined, and that they get this long-term discipline being thrown at them that the way that they perceive that is that they're just on house arrest. I'm, I'm just here. I have to live here. I'm stuck here. I can't go anywhere, but I can't do anything while I'm here. And they, they just do. They, they just feel like they're stuck on this house arrest. And, and when they're stuck on this house arrest, what it does is it just teaches them, and this is what child experts say, not me, but, but, but it, what it does is it teaches kids how to do time. That that when we just take and do this long-term punishment and you don't get to see when's that going to end, we're just teaching our kids how to do time instead of helping to really correct them by giving them a short-term discipline along with a conversation. Now our kids don't understand that as a conversation, do they? They've got a different word for that that starts with an L because if you spend as much as 30 seconds talking to them about something that they've done wrong and you want to correct, it is absolutely in their eyes a lecture, you know, is how they see that. You're just lecturing me, right? So I decided that uh, as a young adult, that having been in student ministry, that I really wanted to make sure that we would model grace and mercy, mercy and grace, to our kids. And so when our kids were probably about four and six years old, I remember having a conversation with Cheryl, and the conversation went something like this. What I'd like to do is I'd like to, up to two times, extend mercy to our kids. That we're gonna dish out, dish out the discipline, and I am just was one of these parents that was like, Whatever the discipline was and it was laid out, that's how long it lasted. I I was never one of these parents that you get out on good behavior. So I I tried to make the discipline short enough that they could live through that and I wouldn't have to back off of it. And so that's just how it stuck and how it got carried out. Well, Miri was in probably the sixth grade, might have been fifth. And Noah was having a party and he had friends over and and Miri just kept, trying to butt in on that and be part of it. And, you know, she kept being kind of set aside, and she got really upset, and she yelled at Noah and all of his friends there, and she yelled, I wish you weren't in my life! And it was like, whoa, that's not acceptable. And it was like the party just stopped instantly. Well, I got Mary, and we walked outside. And we had one of those—I conf- mean, uh, lectures—that she would refer to. <laughs> and I, I was—I was so taken aback; I, I, I couldn't believe that, that she would say this and think this, and that she would use this to ruin a time that was supposed to be celebrating Noah. And so I, I know I'm really upset, and, and so I'm trying to talk with her and letting her know what's wrong. And, and I have to tell her this: I say, Mary, you're, you're going to be grounded. But I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that is. And I'm not going to tell you right now. Because I feel like if I were to tell you right now, I feel like I'd, I'd make it much bigger than, than what it needs to be. And so I just, I just need time, and, and we'll deal with this tomorrow. But for now, just know you are grounded, and we'll lay out the ground rules tomorrow. And so I did. I waited a day and had some time to process her, and I talked through it. And so I went and sat in a room with her, and, and I dished out the discipline, that no screens. And what I meant by no screens was, I said, if we're out in the room and we want to turn the TV on and you're out in the living room, you got to leave the room because there's no screen. You're not going to enjoy any kind of screen. That when it comes to your friends, you're not at a place that you need to be fostering friendships right now because of your behavior that I don't want you influencing friends the way that you are right now. And so you, you, you don't get any friend time. And I don't know, maybe your friends even influenced you. I, I don't know. And then she had one friend that was really dear to her. She, she really looked up to her. And, and she was a great influence on her. Her name was Ellie Kate. And, and Ellie Kate had an older brother, Reese. And the kind of relationship that Ellie Kate and Reese had was incredible. Just the love and the friendship that they really had for each other. And I, and I told Mary, I said, and when it comes to Ellie Kate, that's going to be a friend that that friendship and you being able to spend time with her is going to take even longer. And it's because I don't want you to be a negative influence on her life and in her family and with her brother. And so I, I, I laid all this out and I told her how long it was going to last. And it was a reasonable amount of time. It was a few weeks, but, but it was reasonable. the so furthest we've ever done discipline and the longest we've ever laid that out. And after a week of her having that, I went and sat in her room, and I said, Mary, do you know what mercy is? And so she gave me a definition, and I said, well, do you know what grace is? And she gave me a definition, and, and she actually got these, these backwards. And I said, well, close, but, but you got the idea, and, and, and they're backwards. In fact, I even called her, and I asked her, hey, what do you remember about this whole event? Because I, I wanted to make sure I was getting these details right for you guys. And, and she said, well, I was just thinking about that the other day, Dad. I'm like, oh, that's not necessarily good. And so she just lays out and says, well, I was talking to somebody. She just lays out everything that she remembered about it. And I, I decided I wasn't going to ask, was that like a good thing? And you you'd learned a lesson and you're trying to show that? or, or Are you still bitter? And then I was like, I'm just going to kind of just assume that it was a good thing, right? And, and I, left it, I left it at that. She just shared all these details. And, and so I did. I, I went in and she shared those definitions, let her know that, that yeah, it's, it's close. You, you, you've got them backwards. And I told her, today I'm extending mercy to you. And you no longer are grounded. And she went through every single thing. You, you, so you mean screens. I get, I get all, all the screens back whenever I want screens. So. Yes. And I get, I get to do things with my friends. Like I could call up a friend right now. I could go over to a friend. I can actually play with my friend. Yes, you can. What about Ellie Kate? I said, you can spend time with Ellie Kate. It's mercy. And what I'd wanted to do is I wanted to make sure that there would be an opportunity that I could take our kids and really teach them what mercy is. Because our Heavenly Father has extended mercy to us. And it's this idea of, hey, you've deserved a punishment, but you're not going to get it. It's gonna, that, that punishment, you no longer have to endure it. You don't have to bear that. Mercy. And so I want to share with you two reasons To show mercy. Because there's two very specific reasons that we can see that we need to do this. One, it reflects the mercy that God has shown us. That God has been very merciful to us and it reflects this. In fact, Jesus one time, his disciples had watched him so much praying that one time they said to him, Jesus, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? And so Jesus gave him a model. It wasn't a, hey, memorize this, just repeat this. But it was, here's these elements that should be part of your prayer life. It was just this, this hallowed be your name. It was recognizing the holiness of God. It, it's telling God, hey, I, I want your kingdom to come and, and your will be done on, on earth here as it is in heaven. Reminding me, I need to be stepping in line and living out your will for my life. That I would do this that when it comes to your will. This, give us this daily bread and, and just praying for God on, on, on provisions. And that they would come daily. And a lot of us when we pray, we're like... Um, hey God, can I get kind of 10 years worth of stuff, just just lump sum it, just give it all, and I'll be good for a while, and I won't bug you again. And God's don't know, depend on me every single day. Ask me for what you need daily. Come to me daily. And and, and after Jesus shared all of that, then, then he shared this inside of that model prayer. In Matthew chapter six, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And sometimes we don't, include that whole idea in our prayer life when we're asking God to forgive us. But what Jesus is teaching us is he's teaching us to ask for forgiveness because we've extended forgiveness. And that's what mercy is. We won't won't extend mercy if we're not willing to forgive. And and here's something that, that should be just in our DNA as a believer. Forgiven people forgive people. And that if you are a believer and that you bow the knee of your heart to Jesus, you've been forgiven by him. And forgiven people, they forgive people. They extend mercy. And when you show mercy, the mercy is going to be shown to you. And as long as we think that, that we can earn God's forgiveness, what we're going to end up doing is that we're going to be requiring others to work to earn their forgiveness from us. And we can't earn God's forgiveness. We can't. It, it's, it's grace and mercy. God says, I'm just going to withhold because of my mercy and grace. I'm going to give you good things even though you don't deserve. That that's what our Heavenly Father does. And that we, as people that have been forgiven, we need to be people who forgive. Paul was, was teaching and as he was teaching the church of Ephesus... He taught this in Ephesians chapter 2. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, he just has a lot of it, and he just keeps giving it and giving it and giving it. God who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. This long word for sin, for faults, for failures. And it is by grace that you have been saved. We we didn't get to earn it. We didn't get to behave our way. And all of a sudden, God goes, "Uh, almost, almost, a little bit more, a little bit more. There you go. That's good enough. That's not how God works. God's like, I created you. I created you for a relationship. I love you. Will you allow me to restore this relationship with you that sin broke? And he just freely offers this to us. That Jesus, he paid a debt that you and I could never pay. That we could never do this. That's the only way that sin can be paid for is, is by, by lifeblood. We could never give our own life to cover our life. Jesus paid this for us. So a second reason that we need to show mercy is eventually we will have to answer to God. Every single one of us, whether you're a believer or not, whether you believe that's going to happen or not, every single one of us are going to answer to God One day, that the entirety of our life is about the final exam that we will have before God one day. And that final exam, when we get to the end of our life, is hey, what did you do with your life? What did you do when it came to putting your faith, your hope, your trust in my son? When you put faith and hope and trust in him, if you did, what did you do with that? It's it's all about this final exam. I, I had a philosophy professor that we, we went through the whole class and at the end of the class he's like, Hey, we're gonna do a review to prepare you for your, your final, and I don't have anything prepared instead I'm just gonna allow you guys to ask me any questions. And there are people that were asking different questions. I don't remember them and but I remembered one question. One question was asked of, well, Doctor Roark, um What is it, could could you point us to one thing or two things that we really need to hone in on to be able to be prepared for the final exam? And and Dr. Roark, and it's probably where I'd get it from, I'll just stand up here sometimes I just pause. I'm thinking, and that's what what Dr. Roark always did. He would take longer, though. Trust me, he would take longer. And, And he just paused and he thought about it, and he says, well, I think everything I taught was important. And it was like, oh, that's not helpful. <laughs> so he told us it was gonna be a blue book exam. Anybody remember the blue book, you know, where got it's all blank pages, it's not mine, no cheat, right? And, and you come and you just write, you know, and so we come in, I, I step in ready for this test to be handed out. And, and when I step in, there, there's there's no test being handed out. Instead, it was just on the board, it said final exam instructions share with me everything that you were taught in this class this semester. That was it. That's all we had to do. And I I wrote from the time I got there until the exam was over. (laughs) Just writing any and everything I could think about of what I got. Listen, the entirety of our life is about preparing for our final exam that we're going to have before our Heavenly Father. And these beatitudes, these attitudes, these things that Jesus is telling us, this is what you need to be. This is how you need to behave. That that it's because of your belief, now start adjusting your behavior. We don't behave in order to have a relationship, but it's because of our relationship that now we begin to behave. So don't get those backwards. Don't think that we behave our way into a relationship with God because we don't. Our behavior changes because of our gratitude, because of what Jesus has done for us. And that Jesus taught us that mercy, mercy offers forgiveness. It, it extends this to others. That's what mercy does. And so Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray. And as he taught them these things and, and he shared them, he's like, and, and, and also pray, pray this part and deliver us from, from the evil one, you know, that lead us not to temptation, right? And after he finishes this model prayer, what Jesus says next in Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 14, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins that Jesus lays this out and he says, hey, here's the litmus test of if if you really believe in me that that, that some behavior is going to change and that what's being told is that you need to be one who is forgiving others because you have been forgiven by your heavenly father. That that we're all in a ministry of mercy. That that if you are somebody that you're listening and you are a believer, you are called to the ministry of mercy. Of mercy, and that you would extend mercy to others. Jesus had a half brother, James, and James wrote in his book called James, chapter 2, starting verse 12 Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Not the law that's binding, but the law that gives freedom, is what James says. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. So if you're not merciful, you're going to get judgment without mercy, right? But, but if you're merciful, then, then the judgment's going to be merciful. Abraham Lincoln said, I have always found that mercy bears richer fruits than strict justice. That, that, that finding that balance of, of how is it that we say justice and say true but yet we come along and we still offer mercy. We don't change the expectations, but we offer mercy because expectations weren't met. And that's exactly what our Heavenly Father has done for us. So the Apostle Paul, when he was dealing with the Church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. We don't have this view that says, hey, we're just looking at you from this, this temporary earthly viewpoint. We don't look at people that way anymore. We look at them through an eternal lens is the way that we look at people. And so he said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. And the old is gone and the new is here. That, that God does something new inside of us. That the Holy Spirit comes inside of every person once they become a believer. And they bow their knee to Jesus. And they say, I'm on the knee of my heart. I I believe in you. I trust you. I know I need your forgiveness. I know I need your restoration. And I believe that you are the Son of God, creator of the world. And we do this. We become a new creation. The old is gone and, and this new comes in and fills us. And he says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So to try to etch this into your mind that we've been given this ministry of reconciliation that I want you to see this. This is reconciliation. And you go, well, how, how, did, you, how did you come up with that? Well, we took Greek letters and Hebrew letters. What is it? Not really. But, um, but, but this word reconciliation, that that's what we're called to this ministry of. And so well, what does reconcile mean? That reconcile is to bring the balance to zero. That, that somebody owes you, and you give them mercy, you reconcile, you bring the balances, you don't owe me anymore. What, what, what's another way to look at this? Here's another way to look at this. What Reconcile. Reconciliation, it does this. It's kind of hard to read, but I want you to see it. Paid in full. That's reconciliation. It's when it's paid in full and there's nothing owed. And it's not paid in full because they paid you back for what they did against you. It's because you paid it for them. And you gave them mercy. And you set them free. There's a balance of zero. There is nothing that is owed. And so Paul, he wraps this up. He says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That one of the best ways that we can share the hope of Christ with others is by extending to them the hope of mercy. And when they see that from us, it's so much easier for them to see that there is a heavenly father that wants to do the same thing. It wants to extend mercy and forgiveness to them. So who should we show mercy to? Here's a list, it's a short list, but it's probably complete. We should show mercy to people who've been marginalized. Maybe maybe they've been victims, and maybe the way that they've turned out, and and we just go, hey, maybe there's somebody that that we just look at them, and society has just done ill to them. But we should be extending mercy to people who are marginalized. That we need to be showing mercy to, to people who have made mistakes. Because that's what it is, it's a mistake. When we make a mistake, we want mercy. And so when others make a mistake, we should be showing mercy to others who make a mistake. That we should show mercy to people who have let us down. People that we counted on. And they still let us down. And that we need to show mercy to them. When Jesus was on the cross, he had been beaten. He had been spit on. He had been stripped. He had been humiliated. He had been nailed to a cross. And, and the people that looked at that and went, hey, we've orchestrated this punishment. They were actually the religious people the Pharisees, the religious leaders, that should have been pointing the way to God through Jesus. This is it. This is him. They let him down. And what did, what did Jesus do for those? So Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. On the cross dying, Jesus is extending mercy. It's actually why he came. He came to die for us, to be a sacrifice for us so that God would be able to, through mercy and grace, pay the price of sin for us if we would just believe that Jesus had been betrayed, he'd been abused, and and he'd been rejected, and he offered mercy. That, That should cause us to think a little bit when we go, but, but I, don't, I don't know if I really should show mercy because of, and we start thinking through and justifying, I don't think I should show mercy this way. Is, isn't this one a, an ace up my sleeve that I shouldn't have to forgive? The... If Jesus was extending mercy through what he went through, then you and I should be extending mercy through what we go through. That we should do this that Jesus, what he actually taught us when we see this, is he says, even when we're in the right and they're in the wrong, even then, we should still show mercy. So who should we show mercy to? We should show mercy to people who are far from God. I, I, I grew up around a church culture that I don't think they intentionally wanted to teach this, but it just seems like that's what ended up being taught. And that was just judge people that are outside the faith. And that's not what we should be doing. We should be giving mercy to those that are outside of the faith. People that are far from God, and we should be extending mercy to them and showing them the love of God in the way that we extend mercy to them. And when I think about Crosspoint, that's part of our story of getting started is that we wanted to be a church that was going to be a church that was going to be here to be able to reach people that are far from God. That's what we wanted. That's what we wanted to do. It's actually in our purpose statement. We're here to reach seekers and build believers for the kingdom of God. It's what we're here to do. It's what we've been called to do. And the only way that we can do that and do that well is if we are mercy givers. If we're extending mercy to others the way Jesus would want us to. Listen, we, we need to connect with people before we ever try to correct people. And to me, times we're out there, and we're, just, we're, we're trying to correct, but, but we haven't taken the time to connect and, and really have a, a meaningful and significant relationship where they're seeing that they're loved and valued for the way that they are and who they are. And if we would take the time to connect with them before we would ever try to correct them, we would probably see much more progress. That, that when we connect with people, it reminds us that because we have a relationship with them, that, that we, need to be, we need to be gentle and that we need to be loving when we offer a correction. So one last passage. In Matthew chapter 9, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he associated with them? Shouldn't he be associated with the religious ones? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. That's who needs a doctor. He says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And God wants to use us to share that message. And the only way he can use us is if we are willing to extend mercy to those people who are far from God. And the last one. I say the hardest for last. And the hardest person for us to show mercy to is we need to show mercy to people, including ourselves. We're so hard on ourselves. But we need to be willing to extend mercy. that, That there's surveys out there that show us that when it comes to forgiving ourselves, it's so much harder, more difficult. That There's a three-to-one ratio of, of the person that's hardest to forgive. And three times, it's, it's us and one time to somebody else. It's, it's a three-to-one ratio. And you got to forgive yourself. you got to give yourself some mercy. The, the very mercy that you're willing to give to others, you need to give that to yourself. I want one last quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. There's no excuse for some of the things we've done, and yet God still forgives us. And this is what we need to do for ourselves and for others is to forgive the inexcusable. Well, Pastor Corey's come out here, and he's got something he's going to be sharing with us, so I asked him to save it until the end of the message, so come on out here and and share what you got, Corey.
1: Thank you very much, uh, Pastor Will. So I went to Pastor Will the first part of June and shared with him that there was a wrestling inside of me that Bonnie and I were praying about the next season of our life and what God would want us to do, just wanting to be in a season of listening for his voice and Not that we would be anywhere from here at all, but we didn't want to miss God. And several weeks ago, we felt like God just gave us confirmation. I went to Pastor Will and shared that we just feel God leading us um, out of Crosspoint into a new season, even though we don't know what that new season looks like. But when God tells us to get on the road, as in Genesis 12, we don't worry about the details, and we just want to hear his voice. And we don't know what that may look like. It may be here in the area. It may be God moving us somewhere, but we don't want to miss God. Uh, Pastor Will and I have never been closer as friends and brothers in Christ, and everything is amazing here at Cross Point, and we've been humbled and honored to serve with you guys for the last seven years. And loving people to Jesus and as Pastor Will shared our purpose earlier uh, it's, it's in Bonnie and i's DNA reaching seekers and building believers for the kingdom of God and we've just been humbled and honored to be here and, and we're going to miss everyone in person but we feel like November 13th is supposed to be our last official Sunday here but, but we're always able to be connected on social media and everything as well but it's so important to know there's absolutely nothing wrong here with us we love what God's doing we love Pastor Will it's been such a great friend and we wouldn't even be together if known each other since teenagers if it hadn't been for our parents trusting God and walking in obedience in their own journeys in life and that's how we got to meet so we're so grateful for our parents following Jesus and We just want to do the same thing. In Acts 20, verse 24, it's been a life verse to me where Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And so Bonnie and I are going to keep listening, and we cover your prayers in this
0: new season, and we're going to keep praying for our family here too. Yeah. Well, we love you, Corey, and we are going to miss you. And Corey's been with us about seven years. And if you don't know this, that how he came to us was he had stepped away from something else and just was in a season of wait. And we actually brought him on as a consultant, and then he ended up coming on our staff and been with us seven years now. And Corey, you are leaving us in such a better place than when you found us. And we are grateful. I am grateful for the impact that you've had here. And there is a legacy that you are leaving behind here and that we are grateful for that. Yeah. And so I, I know it's tempting to think, no, there's something going on and they're just not telling us and they're putting on a good front and I'm just telling you. It it's it's not the way. It's it, right. It's just it God's got something in store for Corey, and he doesn't even know. Is he going to be stepping into something secular with, with the rest of his final season of what he can be doing with his life or, and then can do ministry volunteer-wise? Or is he going to have a vocational ministry still? And he, he just doesn't know. And like he said, he doesn't know if he's going to stay in this area or is God going to relocate him. He just said, I'm going to step out, God, and then you can start showing me where, where to go. And so just what a, what a way for you to show us and model us having faith in God even in the unknown. So thank you. Thank you. So love you too. Well, we are, we're not going to pray for him today because I don't want that emotion on me just yet. Um, but on November 13th, which will be his last Sunday, he and Bonnie will come on stage and we will be as a church. We will just be praying for them and where God's going to be sending them. And we're just going to trust that, that God's going to do what he still needs to do here. And, and he's going to send who he's going to be sending so that our ministry can continue to be strong with the gap that Corey is going to leave. Well, let's pray together, okay? Heavenly Father, you've given us this message of, men, of, of mercy and this ministry of reconciliation. And God, I pray that, that for anybody that's struggling right now to extend mercy, whether it's to themselves or to someone else, that God, that you would just stir in them and give them the courage to just let it go, to reconcile, to pay in full what is owed and bring that balance to zero so that there is a restoration relationally, whether it's with ourselves or with others, and that that is what it's going to take so that we can be shown mercy. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.